Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for being here this week. Really appreciate it. This week I'm interviewing Annette and Daniel Fortner. Now, Annette and Daniel, they are travelers. Um, they have a YouTube channel called Chase for Adventure. Uh, it's more than just a YouTube channel. They've got Instagram. Uh, they help people learn how to, uh, I guess, quit their day job and, and become travelers like they are. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about it, but it's called Chase for Adventure. But uh, they joke that it's uh, a lot of misadventure. Um, we talk uh, a lot about their experiences, what made them, you know, stop the the nine to five grind and and go and, and travel. Um, what made them start uh, YouTube, and and also, um, you know, what uh, what what success um, looks like with YouTube. They kind of go into to more depth with the the old question that I always like to ask, uh, which is, what makes a successful YouTube video? Um, really enjoyed speaking with them. Um, it, it's not a new announcement anymore, but uh, Annette is pregnant with their first child, so we talk a little bit about uh, what travel is going to look like um, now that uh, now that they're going to be adding a little one. So it's a really great conversation. Um, they are currently in Thailand, so we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, COVID affected um, Thailand and just their overall adventure. It was a great conversation. Really appreciated their time. Um, I mentioned it in the interview, but given that they're in Thailand and I'm here in the United States in the Eastern time zone, it was actually like 9 p.m. for me and 8 a.m. for them. So amazing, amazing that they uh, agreed to, to talk that early. Definitely not something I, I think I would have been able to do. So I really appreciate that uh, they they joined me at a, an early hour. Um it did come with some uh, some hiccups, you know. They're they, they're edited out, but uh, we did have uh, a few times where the the Wi-Fi went down and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, but uh, they they hung with me, and uh, it was a great conversation. And uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Annette and Daniel Fortner. Here with Annette and Daniel Fortner from Chase Ford Venture. Annette, Daniel, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Good. A little rainy here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, the the one thing I I wasn't exactly sure about is this is actually the first time I've interviewed two people at the same time. So please do, uh, you know, pardon me if I cut you off just like I did because I'm used to just hearing one voice and then I continue on. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, not a problem. I think we've learned how to do the dance of going back and forth with the microphone too. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, I, I thought about just writing questions for one or the other, but then I thought, you know, let's either let them fight it out or see who is just, you know, the bigger ham and wants to talk more. <laughs> I I've got this. I'll choke out. Gets a little too fast. Yeah. <laughs> if we could, let's just kind of start at the beginning. Obviously, you know the the thing that that's got us talking is because you do have a, a YouTube channel and you guys travel all over the place, but what uh, what inspired you to to start this journey and maybe if we can take one step back even and even further what were you guys doing be- before this 
Right. So I can't go into a lot of detail about the job that I was doing, but in essence, I was in a job that made me really, really, really unhappy. Mm -hmm. And it led me to be depressed. I called the suicide hotline and, you know, one thing led to another. People found out that I was depressed and that wasn't acceptable. And so I didn't have a job anymore. Mm. And once that happened, you know, I realized that the safe option wasn't safe anymore and that, you know, living to work for other people's dreams, like it just wasn't something that I could do for myself anymore. And so it took a few months. I told Daniel while I was sitting mm -hmm. at home unemployed, telling him like, I have a degree, I am a hard worker, there's no reason why we should be here, miserable, hating our lives, counting the days until Friday. Um, you know, at that point, we were get getting married in just a few months, and we had already, you know, been working in our careers for two years. We were in our early 20s just wondering, well, you know, what now? So then Daniel wasn't super duper sold on the yeah. whole idea of me, you know, jumping onto a plane and going international right away. And then he actually went on his own journey. Yeah, I had um, left my job that I had been at for quite a few years, and I went and started running two emergency rooms, and I was a practice administrator. Um, and that was what I was working for in school as well. I was getting my degree catering towards healthcare administration because I thought that's what I wanted to do. And so I got the job before I got the degree, and uh, I realized that working 60 hours a week, running uh, healthcare facilities and dealing with insurance and 12 hour shifts, 12 hour plus shifts, uh, was not my cup of tea. And I had a boss that I, I, I felt didn't really value me and uh, really liked talking down. And so that was definitely icing on the cake when Annette kept bringing up, well, you know, if we go traveling, you're your own boss. <laughs> and so, uh, Fast forward a couple months, I had been working the job, and then we ended up getting married, and I had to fight my boss for my wedding day off. Mm. Yeah, and that was really just the straw that broke the camel's back. We had, I think, to both of us still, the happiest day of our life yeah. was that wedding. And it was just a day where we were able to focus on each other and our love for each other, and our families met, and it was, so it was like a joining of the two. And so after that, on Sunday, we didn't have enough money to take off for a honeymoon. So we were like having to go back to work on Monday morning and we were sitting there Sunday just anxious. We were like, I can't do this. And it was, I don't even remember how the conversation went. Did we just look at each other and say? Well, honestly, I looked at Daniel and I was having a major panic attack. I was like, I can't believe that I have to go to work at six o'clock in the morning tomorrow when the best day of my life was literally yesterday. What are we working toward if we can't even take a couple of days off to, you know, kind of accept and, and celebrate what we have just accomplished together as a couple? And so we were watching YouTube, which, you know, is like amazing. It's YouTube University, but it's also the pit of every decision that people have made, I think, in recent years. Mm -hmm. And we were watching uh, one of our favorite YouTubers, and he was like, oh, well, I went to Southeast Asia with $5,000, and I like became this super successful travel blogger. And we're like, uh-uh, if this guy could do it, we could do it too. And so we started do crunching some numbers, and we're like, okay, we want to do one year abroad. How much would that cost us? Uh, after doing all the math, it was like, going to be $40,000, and we're like, it'll take us three years to save that at the rate that we're making now. And so we then had the crazy idea, well, I know this sounds bonkers, but what if we sold 
everything. How much money would we have then? And I mean, I guess at that point you can say the rest was history. Yeah, it did it, it seem to work out from there. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, it certainly did. Well, as weird as it sounds, it almost sounds like you, you kind of need to thank that boss for being so terrible because if he was just a little bit better, maybe you would have been like, I can stick it out, I can handle it. But no, you've got to thank him for making you just be like, forget you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. I got, I got lucky that I had that as a boss. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess the, the old saying is you, you generally quit a boss, you don't quit the job. So, so that, makes, that makes sense. And also, I work in higher education so to hear that you you know you went on you you got that degree and then you didn't like you know the the degree field that that that's always my worst nightmare that somebody goes and gets a degree and then when they actually get into the profession they don't like it i hate that so i i hate to hear that oh fair and i can i completely understand thankfully i was in a situation where i was still finishing my degree mm-hmm. and so i was actually able to change it to oh good what we're doing now <laughs> right okay. I had been the one who had just gotten my degree but my degree was in psychology which although is an awesome degree I feel like I learned so much about you know interpersonal skills communication tons of skills that you know I still use today as many people know it's a job that you need more education if you ever wanted to work with like clients or you know open your own practice and so for me I had been offered the job right before I graduated also. And so I already had my job lined up. I was happy until I wasn't. And then, but you know what? It, like you mentioned, you quit a boss, not a job. And at the end of the day, I'm so, so grateful for everybody that was in our path and gave us all of the difficult choices that we've had to make over the last three years, because they are the reason why I'm sitting on a beach in Thailand right now. You know, I could be home stuck in quarantine, you know, which we, we realized how, you know, slim the chance was for us to be doing the life that we are living now and how normal and easy it would have been to be stuck at home, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people just sitting at home. Every time I talk to a traveler, you know, we, we talk about what made them make that leap. We've kind of already covered that, but what advice do you have to others? I would say just that we're like everybody else. We had full-time jobs. We had a home, cars, and you were going to be your only limiting factor because we were our own limiting factor before we decided to do this lifestyle. We didn't think we could do it. We didn't know how people did it. But thankfully now with the ease of access to the internet, you can actually do anything. My recommendation to them would be to just start. So many people dream so little people do. And that's the problem. You can sit and research something on YouTube until you're blue in the face, but until you buy those one-way tickets or start selling your stuff or start making moves so that you can actually get yourself abroad, you're never going to do it because the fact is it is scary. It is something that is extremely nerve-wracking. You're going to ask yourself tons of questions like, okay, well, what if I fail? Well, if you fail, you come back. Well, how do I make money? Well, there's tons of people making money online. Maybe it's a good place for you to start looking up how to make money online. You know, well, what if I don't like it? Your job is always going to be back home. You're always going to have a plan B. So why not go for plan A? Give it your best shot. It's your dream life. And if you fail, well, then you go back to where you started. 
Right. I think that's, that's huge because I mean, when, when it comes to failing, really failing is just going back to what you're already doing. So it's, I mean, it's, it's not much different. So you might as well just, just try it. And, and I think that a lot of people will, will find if they're actually dedicated to it, they, they will succeed. So we kind of jumped a little bit ahead, but you did mention, um, you know, working from, from home or working remotely kind of makes me want to bring up, uh, you know, the, pandemic that, that we're living through. I, I think that a lot of people and a lot of companies have have seen, you know, for better or worse, that a lot of the, the work can be done remotely. You know, they, they thought that they needed the brick and mortar. They thought that they needed people to, you know, to actually come in the office, but they're seeing, you know, six months down the road, their employees are still working from home. It's still possible. So, um, you know, if you could speak a little bit more on that, I do think that a lot more companies are probably more, you know, receptive to an employee that maybe it has a desk job, an office job now to, to work remotely. You don't necessarily have to find a remote job, but sometimes you can make your job remote. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. And now I'm really curious to see if anything goes back to a brick and mortar. Because at the end of the day, along with everyone having been at home for six months, working from their, their couch probably in their BJs, uh, that saves the business a lot of money, not having to have a physical establishment. Um, and even I would even press back a little bit further before the pandemic. We had two friends that actually sold most of their stuff to come out traveling with us for a couple months. And none of us were really sure what was going to come of it. They were like, we'll just start traveling and let's see what happens. But I'm working a job that I don't like and you guys are our friends. So who else, like who else are we going to learn from? So they actually came with us and we taught them how to kind of like be full-time travelers. And they realized that the life wasn't for them, but one of them went back and approached his old job and was like, well, I know what I want to do and I know what I don't want to do. And he pretty much told his boss, like, I have all these skills. I'll work for you, but I want to work from home. And he went remote even before the pandemic. So I can only imagine now that there's a legitimate reason for the majority of people to be working from home. I, I don't see that changing. I think it's great. I mean, imagine the, the work-life balance because that's a big reason why it's a draw for us and being able to work from home is it allows us to spend time with each other. It allows us to work when we want and when we feel the most productive. And it allows us to realize that, you know what, maybe I'm just kind of running my head into a wall. Let me take a break, go for a walk, or go to my kitchen, or whatever it may be. Right. And also for those people who are currently at desk jobs that aren't remote, that are wondering, well, man, how do I pitch this idea to my boss? Like, they're never going to go for this. Well, now we've had, you know, six months of proof that this is something extremely effective and something that keeps employees happier, it keeps bosses happier, there's internet all over the world. And so, I don't know, I feel that people have a lot more playing cards on their table than they think. So if we could, let's just kind of transition, talk about your YouTube channel. For, for those who have never watched a Chase for Adventure episode, never, never seen you guys before, tell them a little bit about what uh, they'll learn or, or what they'll gain from uh, checking out your videos. Uh, so I think really first, our name is Chase for Adventure, but let's make sure it's clear. Usually it's going to be a misadventure. Um, <laughs> things tend to kind of go wrong with what we do on the channel. Um, and in the best way possible, because we kind of go off the beaten path sometimes. 
but at least for, for, I guess, looking in, we really want to show everyone that we're all a lot more similar than we are different. The, we're all just people looking for shelter. For We want a hot meal on our plate. We want love, friendship, community. Safety. Safety, yeah. And those items really do translate around the world. And so from our YouTube channel, it we really want to show that that's what we're all searching for. You can connect with people who don't speak your language, who don't even know what food you grew up eating because they've never experienced whatever, whatever maybe American barbecue food. Like you have so many different life circumstances from these people that you interact with, yet you're so similar. And another thing too, we want the people that are at home that are looking for that escape or maybe dreaming of traveling to look at us and not that we actively go looking for the worst case scenario, but we really actually just show up to countries. We don't speak the language. We don't know anybody there. We show up to the airport and we're like, well, uh, guess who you should find a taxi? Oh, there's no internet and there's no Google Translate and the Korean guy doesn't speak English? Charades it is. Let's see what part of Seoul we end up in today, folks. You know? <laughs> Showing people that no matter like how well planned you are or how obscure the country may seem, you're going to be fine. Just watch us. We, we're still alive somehow. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's that's my big thing. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not as well traveled as as you guys are. But of the 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 group that I surround myself with, I, I definitely travel more than than anyone else. And I mean, that's that's the big thing that I I point out where you know just because you're going to a country that doesn't speak the language, or just because you know that. You're, you may be kind of scared to be out of your comfort zone. That's kind of what makes things fun. That's what makes things exciting just to, to get out of your comfort zone. Realize that everyone, you know, no matter whether they're here in, in this state or whether they're, you know, in a, a state in, in Russia or something like that, that they are just people too. Everyone's just trying to, to live their life, trying to, to be happy. And most of the time you'll find people – are interested in, and actually want to help you. So you're not really going to just, you're not truly going to just be, you know, stranded and no one's going to want to help you. Even if they can't speak the language, sometimes, you know, the, the people, the most helpful people I've found, I don't know whether they're actually sometimes saying, but the people that are the most helpful sometimes we don't understand each other at all, but they're just desperately wanting to help you try to, to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because you mentioned Russia, which obviously at least to me, when I was a child, like thinking of Russia, I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound like the friendliest people, just from like the stereotypes that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Another country that I had like this fear of was China. And we had no plans to go to China right away, but when our friends from back home who haven't really traveled a lot, they said that they wanted to go to Shanghai, we're like, okay, well, let's go. And honestly, you know, I don't want to say that there is prejudice because obviously we enter every country with an open mind, but also with like sometimes a healthy dose of fear. I'm definitely at least speaking for myself when you don't know a country and all you hear is what the media is telling you. So I didn't know what was going to happen when I landed in China. And honestly, Jackson, I was baffled, baffled. They were the kindest people. Nobody there speaks English, but they will just go beside themselves to walk you to wherever you're going. One of the people that we met, we were, it was late when we arrived in Shanghai, I think it was like 1 a.m., and we were asking them, like, hey, we haven't eaten in, like, hours. Is there any way uh, that there's food around here? All of this through Google Translate, of course. He walked us five blocks to the only open noodle shop. Mm. And so I think that that's something that 
Exactly. We're all so much more similar than we are different. And people are willing to help you all over the world. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, some of the, the scariest places are actually, you know, that maybe they don't get as many tourists, so they're even more welcoming. So I, I think that that's a, a huge thing. So if, if you would, I, ha I have a impossible question for you, but I always ask, you know, the YouTubers that I, I, I speak to this question. Let's see what, let's see what, what your answer is. What, what do you think makes a successful video? I've noticed, you know, you guys, all, all your videos are, are really great, but you've got some videos that have half a million viewers. And then you've got some really amazing videos that only have a couple thousand viewers. So what's the key to success with YouTube? Yeah. Wow. Great question. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of how to package this answer neatly. It's um, a bunch of different things. Yeah. Something that we've realized. There is, there's a lot of different items that go into it. For example, um, like even to just start at first glance of the video, when you look at the videos, um, as we've like grown in our YouTube journey, we realized that we wanted to brand our thumbnails. Um, and so with that, it causes recognition and it helps for people who are already following the adventures to easily recognize our videos first and foremost. But there's everything from the thumbnail design to a click-through rate, which is like how enticing the individual or how enticed the individual feels to click through down to the storyline and what we're going to be not filming because we don't really like planning out the day very like rigidly, but we will know where we're going. We know uh, the keywords that get searched online. So if we're hitting Shanghai China and uh, Shanghai Food China is a performing tag, well, we may just make sure that we film our lunch. Um, and that way we're able to use a tag that gets searched very well. Uh, ooh, what else would you say? So I would definitely say, and this one might even be something that wasn't super obvious to us, was the country. Some people are interested in more countries than they are in others. Hence why, for example, if you go onto our video, into our channel, and sort by most popular, India and the Philippines were two top performing countries. Why? Because India, India has you know half a billion people, they all speak English, Internet is widely available in that country. And there was a lot to show in India. You know, we were able to show palaces and villages and gypsies and big cities. And so I think that that creates also more interesting content. Uh, and also, for example, a lot of people would think that a video on Paris would do really well. But when you think about it, most of the people in the Western world, they already know what the Eiffel Tower looks like. They know that they should go and see the Ark of Triumph, and if they go to London, they need to go see the Big Ben. So there's really no sense to them in like looking up a YouTube video, what to do in London, because it's something you've been dreaming up since you were a child. But what to do in India? Man, I don't know what India looks like. You know, I've seen the Taj Mahal, but what else is there? And so it, I think it also plays into people's interests. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you guys gave... I, I'm, I'm just going to say, it. I think you guys gave the best answer, the most technical answer. A lot of times people, uh, you know, they've just kind of said, oh, you know, you just, you just never know. It's, it, that's something I wish I could figure out too. If I would just make all my videos, you know, be, uh, you know, a million view video if I could figure out that answer. So I appreciate you that, that you know, how in depth you went when we're talking about click rate and things like that. I think that's helpful. 
for people who do want uh, to, to start a YouTube channel. So you, you mentioned, you know, in the very beginning of your, your YouTube journey that your plans was to travel for five years. So I, I know that's, that's changed over, you know, the course of time as, as things do. But if you would just kind of let us know what the future of your YouTube channel looks like. So I think when we first started the goal of traveling the world for five years, a couple of things were different, right? A, we hadn't really traveled full time before. And five years felt like a reasonable amount of time. Also, there wasn't this little thing called coronavirus that you know we all have come to know and not love. And so we also, I think, in the journey of travel, realized that we love it. We see travel now as more of a lifestyle. It's our way of life, our preferred way of life, versus something that you know we're going to come back home from. And so, to be honest, if you ask us now, I don't think that our travels are ever going to stop. And we did just find out a couple of months ago that we're expecting our first baby. And although a lot of people, I think their first instinct would definitely be, okay, go home, get the house. Our instinct, especially you know during COVID times, was actually to have a baby here in Thailand while it's safe, let the peanut become a little bit more of a human, <laughs> and then show the world via our YouTube channel us world schooling our child and taking them around and showing them you know, all the reasons that we love this big, beautiful world. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on the, uh, the addition to your family. Thank you. Absolutely. Kind of freaking out. <laughs> well, I, I have no kids, so I have absolutely no advice for you. I could just randomly give you some, I'm sure some ha- people have, but I, I think that the, what I could say is, you know, that given that you're freaking out, that probably means that you're actually taking it seriously. Those who are just like, eh, it's all right. Those are probably the ones I'd worry about. No. Well, thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that kind of is a good segue into, you know, anytime that, that you put your life out there in public, you're always going to have your critics. You're always going to have, you know, the, the trolls. What, how do you guys manage that? And I know that like it or not, I'm sure you're already seeing it now that you're, you're adding a baby that's that's really when people like just to start telling you what to do and stuff like that so how do you manage all this other noise out there and kind of block it out or do you kind of are you receptive to to some of it or 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 how do you manage all of the other the noise so i think the answer to the trolls and people giving advice in like personal life matters I'll let Annette take the la- the latter one because I do think that they're they're quite a bit different in the way that you respond and really where they're coming from. So, for example, I actually tend to handle the trolls that love to sometimes rear their heads on the YouTube <laughs> comments or whether it be on Instagram. Um, but I really treat it as a time to see a promoter. Um, so just in the business world, there are promoters and detractors everywhere you go. Um, and people tend to not be as neutral, and they either tend to lean one way or the other. They're going to detract from your business and maybe spread the message of they're not enjoying or they're not liking, or they're going to promote it, where, wow, I saw this YouTube channel. Uh, They have some crazy stuff. I saw this video I didn't like, but I got a response from the person, and they were nice. Um, And that's actually kind of where I gear towards the trolls, 
because from what I've noticed, it really just seems that people make snap judgments and then get pissed off for no reason. Like a great example is we have a video um, on our first impressions of India. And we had been in India for a couple weeks and we traveled to a couple major cities. And I mean, I'm sure you have preconceived ideas of what India is like and so did we going into it. And we wanted to talk about those stereotypes. And for example, like something that was a concern before we went that was absolutely not a concern when we were there was the rape culture that the media had shown. Mm. Uh, like we felt extremely safe when we were in India. Um, we just followed the normal guidelines. And so on that video specifically where we talk about it, we have a thumbnail where is India safe and people tend to get upset and be like, well, who are you to say that India is safe? Uh, your country isn't even safe right now. And they'll kind of go on a tangent. I'm like, I'm like, my friend, actually in the video we talk about how safe we felt. Is India safe was just the question where we're answering. Um, and kind of guiding people into a more productive conversation. And I've actually found that you can take a lot of those troll comments and turn them into people who are going to follow the adventure and be extremely respectful later on. Right. I think what happens with a lot of trolls, and I say this for, you know, I think I could generalize even to every channel on YouTube, is they <laughs> oftentimes believe that the creator won't see this comment or that their comment, you know, isn't going to touch someone or matter. And they sometimes when people see us on YouTube, they don't think that we're real people. You know, they think that they have all of their own preconceived notions of who we are. Oh, these people just must be rich. They don't care about any of these people, you know, not knowing that, you know, we have remote jobs, we self-fund all of our travels. And so it really is a point and an opportunity for education and letting them know, hey, like, we're here. Like, we see your comment. You sound like you're having a really bad day. Do you need a hug? Uh, when it comes to Instagram, because... There, Daniel gets different trolls on the YouTube channel that are commenting on specific situations that we've encountered abroad. And on our Instagram, we get, and it, they're not even troll comments. It's almost like all of the uncles and aunties from around the world lecturing us of how we should live our life. Yeah. But the alternative with that, and so that those are more personal and like maybe disagreements that they have with like our philosophy on life, where with those people, I understand that it comes from a point of love almost always and a point of abundance of caution almost always. They don't want to see anything bad happen to us. And so in those moments, that's when we take the opportunity also to let them know like, hey, thank you so much. We are so grateful that we have an amazing community like you that cares. Um, you know, this is a lifestyle that we've chosen and we understand that, you know, this isn't something that everybody's going to agree with, um, but we're grateful to have you along in the journey either way. And now, if people really super duper disagree with, you know, things that we've done, like one time we went swimming with whale sharks in the Philippines, and there are some people who are very not about, like, zoos and not about, you know, snorkeling and things like that that interrupt, like, with wildlife. <clears throat> and I totally respect those people, but there are some people who got really nasty. And our response to them was, like, listen, you know, I completely understand where you're coming from. It is totally okay, and we respect our differing points of view on the subject. Uh, you know, it does seem like this is a subject that triggers you. I recommend that you watch something else. You know, we understand that this isn't a community for everybody. So that's how we handle it. Because, there, I mean, there, there's trolls that are just trying to just stir things up and, 
some of them obviously you can convert. I like to hear that that you you've had success in that. Um, but the the ones that I feel like it would be harder to figure out how to to speak with are those who aren't necessarily trolls, but the ones who are just worried about you and basically just trying to get you not to to do what, what you love. So that, I, I'm I'm really happy to to hear um, your perspective on that. So if if yeah, so if if you would, this is another kind of really hard question that people don't really like to answer and it, it maybe feeds into to some of that troll nature but uh, what what are some some places that that you've been that you've really really enjoyed and you tell people hey maybe this is somewhere you should go you know maybe as a, a first adventure or uh, just places that that you really recommend and maybe some places that weren't all they they you know, they were, were supposed to be, or maybe that they're so overran um, that you're just going to save them for other people. And that's a very long-winded way of saying, what are your favorites and least favorite places? Because people just don't like to answer that question. Right. <clears throat> Fair enough. I also, that's a hard question because there, each country I feel has its own gems and its own reasons for being there. As silly as it may sound, while I'm sitting here in Thailand, I'm, going to preach the cause of Thailand because, <laughs> <laughs> because I have absolutely fallen in love with this country, the culture, um, the lifestyle that you can have here um, and doing it all in paradise. It, it's really, I understand why there was so much tourist hype before, before COVID. Um, it was, it's a place where you can go into the mountains and be extremely secluded and have nothing but beautiful rolling hills and rice paddy fields that you're staring over. And then if you go to the south, which is only like, what, a three-hour flight right. from north, total north to complete south, and then you're in the islands. You're seeing these enormous hundreds of meters tall limestone cliffs with monkeys swinging off of it, and you have monitor lizards walking around. It's as if you just stepped into a rainforest. Or Jurassic Park, honestly. Yeah. But now to talk about the more difficult one, and this is something that we've actually gotten a lot of heat for because something that we also preach on our channel is authenticity. I'm not here to sell people on anything. If you are not happy with the fact that we're unhappy with a video, like, I'm sorry. You know, we're going to tell you what our opinions are. And one of the countries where I was very culture shocked and very unhappy for the entire time that I was there was actually Vietnam. And I feel bad for saying this because I've also heard so many other stories from other travelers saying that Vietnam was their favorite country. And also, I think that I went into Vietnam with a lot of naivety. I didn't know enough about the wars. I didn't know enough about the politics. I didn't know enough about the history, to be honest. And we decided that, you know, Great, let's go to Vietnam. We're going to go live in Hanoi for three months. So for people who don't know a whole lot about history, during the Vietnamese War, it was a civil war between Vietnam's north and Vietnam's south. The communist Ho Chi Minh in the north and, you know, the democratic down in the south that the United States was trying to help defeat the north. Well, Hanoi won, which, as you guys, I mean, if you know anything about the Vietnam War, it was a very savage sort of situation. And the north of Vietnam had been ravaged not just by, you know, the United States, and, and but other countries too, France, China, everybody was trying to invade and take over Hanoi. And so 
the locals there, understandably so, after you've been, you know, invaded by people for hundreds of years, they're not the most friendly to foreigners. And I'm not saying everybody, but I would say that the general baseline attitude is unwelcoming at best. I, uh, you know, we would go to markets and I would get slapped, like legitimately slapped to where there's a video of us showing it. And I was very upset. Another lady threw me onto a pile of mango scenes to where my friends had to catch me before falling on another vendor. Uh, it was a very physically aggressive culture and one that was also very confronting. It was things I had never seen before. People had always told me that, you know, they eat dogs in other countries. And we had been in Asia at this point for almost two years. It was the first time I ever saw a dog be slaughtered. Uh, we saw them. We were on the back of the motorbike. And we witnessed some villagers snap the neck of a giant dog and then drag him by the neck along the floor. And that, as you can imagine, to someone from the Western world who's not used to seeing pictures like that, was extremely confronting. And another thing, and I'm not sitting here to complain, I'm sitting here just to share my experience. I went into Vietnam being a vegetarian, realizing that in the North that was not a common thing to find. And so I was not just being mistreated on a regular basis, but I was also starving for a lot of it. So it was just an experience that, that really grew me. It showed me just how, you know, sometimes doing a little bit of research before showing up to a country <laughs> would be beneficial and maybe change the perspective. Uh, but honestly, it's now been a year since then, and I think that I would still love to go back to Vietnam, maybe not back to the north, but I would definitely be interested to exploring some of the south because that's where people have really mentioned that it's, it's beautiful and welcoming. And honestly, the north is beautiful too. I don't want it to come out like, don't go to North Vietnam, but that was my experience. Yeah, no, I think the, the big thing is two things. One is to do, do some of that research. Second is just everyone does have very different experiences. Obviously, there's people who love one place and hate, you know, the, the exact same place. So um, it, it gets kind of hard in, in just deciding, I guess, whether maybe the experience that they're having is, you know, exclusive to them and it's something you should still try or if it is a, a true safety issue I, I i've not been to vietnam i hate to to hear that i i have heard people you know enjoy vietnam but it, i believe that it, they were mostly in the south so um you know that's that, that's an interesting perspective for sure and, and not one that i really know too much about <laughs> fair i was actually going to say it's funny that you say that because vietnam is on my like top three for countries that I loved. And even though we lived in the same place, we had wildly different experiences, which was very interesting. I obviously didn't get hit at all, but I also could just be like six foot one male. Um, but I am in love with motorcycles and I was able to drive motorcycles in the most chaotic traffic I've ever seen in the world. Whereas Annette is like, nope, I will take the bus. Like I will walk for an hour and a half. I'm like, Get me on the motorcycle. Let's cut across a six-lane highway. Um, and so you're so right. It is it, an experience in a country so person-specific. Right. Which is why there's also people, for example, one of my favorite countries is India. I loved India. I love how forward and shameless Indian people are. I love Indian food and how spicy it can be to where it melts my face. I'm okay with indig indigestion every now and then to eat from a street stall that has rats at the bottom. 
Like, I don't mind the grunginess. I don't mind sitting on the floor with a villager in a random village in Pushkar. I don't need the super duper nice things. But there are some people who go to India, you know, want to go visit a village and hate it. And I have to respect that, you know? And, and Daniel, what do you, do you agree with her there or do you have a different perspective? <laughs> no, I actually agree with her there. I, I can't wait to go back. We were planning on going back before the world kind of shut down. So yeah. So how is COVID affecting your your travels? I know you still are are traveling. I, you know, not not to uh, you know give too much opinion, but I, I do think the region that you're in maybe took coronavirus as a little bit more serious and are actually getting back to normal rather than than how we are here. Um, so if you would just kind of tell us a little bit about how uh, COVID is affecting your travels currently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you actually said it well. Thailand handled the, the COVID situation impeccably, impeccably. We were shut down for a minimal amount of time. And honestly, since they haven't allowed international travel and we've had no state uh, transmitted COVID, life has been normal here. And that's been almost uh, six months now. Well, it shut down. It shut down for two months. Yeah, and so May. Oh when yeah. Are we on? Oh yeah. Okay, so yeah, six months. We've been living in Thailand as if nothing was wrong. Mm. Um, when you go into larger cities, you do follow social distancing um, to an to an extent, but everyone does wear masks. So like in Bangkok, you step outside, you're wearing a mask, and I think it's more out of respect for like those who are immune compromised and the elder. Um, because we all know that there's no COVID here. Right. And honestly, I think it was also easier here in Thailand because the culture in itself is socially distanced. Nobody hugs each other or kisses each other here. You why? It's like you bow a little bit to say hello. And so that was never really a concern. Masks, because they had SARS here a few years back, you know, everybody still remembers that. And there's pollution in Bangkok. So people already were wearing masks before the pandemic started. And even in, in other parts of Asia, I would say so too, because Daniel and I have been wearing masks for years now just to walk through Bangkok or to be through Vietnam. And so it, as far as affecting our travels, the one thing I would say is we're not traveling internationally, especially now that I'm pregnant. We're definitely not traveling internationally because we've gotten lucky in this one bubble. We feel so fortunate that out of 195 countries that we could have gotten quote unquote stuck in, we got stuck in a country that that is normal. It's open. I don't have the fear or the anxiety of, am I going to catch COVID? Or, you know, is this person getting too close to me? Is that person wearing their mask? And so we've been able to travel domestically and that's what we've done. So that's the impact it's had. We have focused on full on domestic travel in Thailand. We've rented a car for a month, did a full month road trip from Bangkok through the South Islands, which is really special. Uh, and in just a few weeks, we'll actually be heading to the north to do the same thing, a one month road trip through the north. So that'll be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So you plan on, on kind of staying put in Thailand uh, for the foreseeable future, or at least until um, you, know, you, you have the, the baby or? Yeah, for sure. So we're thinking at the earliest we would probably leave Thailand would be June or July of next year. Gotcha. And and you you mentioned that you are um, going to you know continue traveling. You have spoken to a lot of travelers who do have kids. So what I mean, what is what is I guess your your plan? Is it really just to kind of to stay in in the same kind of travel? 
um, mode that you're in now and just strap strap the little one on your back until they can can run alongside or, or what what is your goal there and obviously I know you don't have the, the the baby yet so it's really hard to to say for sure but what are your thoughts currently so a little known fact is that Daniel and I were actually both nannies to infants for the better part of a decade independently yeah mm. um, actually before we started traveling one of the side jobs that I did was on days that I wasn't working uh, for 10 hours a day, I would watch two four month old infants. Oh, wow. um, yeah, and do that for 10 hours. Uh, and so we have a lot of experience in childcare and are pretty confident in our abilities. And so we're really just gonna strap the thing to our chest to keep going. Yeah. Um, really take on the approach of like, I don't know if we were all just meant to live stable, but it doesn't feel like that's how we were meant to live. And so we're definitely going to bring the little one along for the ride. Yeah. And I think also something that's really uh, beneficial to Daniel and I's lifestyle is we don't plan anything. Literally, right now, we extend every hotel stay that we have day by day. The max you'll see is a week in advance. And so the way that we see it is like, okay, we bring a baby into the world. We're tired this week. Well, we extend another week. Oh, we don't want to leave for another two weeks? Well, we stay. Oh, you're ready to go tomorrow? Let's book some flights. And so it'll fit in perfectly to our yeah. already extremely flexible lifestyle, I think. Yeah. But we're not parents. So if you're a parent sitting at home right now listening to this podcast laughing at us hysterically, <laughs> check us out on Instagram so you can see the disaster <laughs> unfold. <laughs> yeah. Well, I again, I don't know too much, but I have heard that you don't have a – uh, a baby makes you add just a little bit of structure, but I, I don't know. I really don't know. I do know though, I talked to a traveler recently who travels with their kids and he mentioned that, you know, having kids and traveling with them was one of the, the best things that he could have done because if you currently feel like maybe that you're, you're not being as accepting as accepted in the community having that kid, everyone loves kids. You're going to, you're going to get all kinds of people wanting to help you out because they wanted to talk to that kid. Yeah. And I'm so excited because our little baby is going to know so many little languages. Oh, I'm hoping they're going to be walking around and bowing at people going like, so I you know, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. And that's going to be quite the experience for, for the little one for sure to, to grow up that way. So so they're, uh, they're in for, for quite the journey, just like you two have been on for, for several years. Right. And we're really excited about that. I was actually a teacher, a preschool teacher before I started traveling. And my degree, even though, yes, it was in psychology, it was a lot of focus on child development. I wanted to be a marriage and family counselor. And knowing how kids learn and knowing that we're going to be able to offer that to our kid, like, let's learn about beaches by going to one. Let's mm. go learn about clownfish by, go by going snorkeling. Or let me teach you about rivers and deltas by going and visiting one in North Thailand. Or going to the Mekong River. Let's show you about history by taking you to this really cool temple. I think that that is such a rich way to learn. And that's honestly why I love travel so much was because I remember looking through books at my school library and seeing the Taj Mahal and going like, man, I would kill to be there and to be able to learn from there and to be able to have a lifestyle where we could offer that to our kids and not to mention just teaching them, but having the freedom and flexibility to where they can be our full-time jobs. 
you know, we have really fully on adopted the four hour work week and we are in a fortunate situation to where after the baby's born, we're able to take, you know, several months of time off just to focus on being parents. And, you know, we know that not everybody can do that. And we're really excited that we're going to be able to offer that to our family. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that sounds amazing for sure. So I want to, <laughs> I want to just uh, ask you first, if, if people are listening to this and think, man, Daniel and Annette, they are people that I want to, uh, I want to hear more from. How can people connect with you when it comes to your website, YouTube? We didn't get to your, uh, your COVID face mask, but you can plug that as well if you want. Uh, but just let us let, let people know how, uh, how they can connect and learn more. Well, thank you very much. We actually teach people how to become full-time travelers and become digital nomads. And so if they actually go on our website, www.chaseforadventure.com, we actually have a freebie right on the front page that is the 50 creative ways to make money while traveling the world. So if someone is listening to this and going like, man, like after this pandemic, I really need to get some backpacks and just do this. That is a great place to start if you have no idea. We also have tons of resources on you know, the digital nomad lifestyle and also some difficulties that maybe people aren't realizing that we definitely didn't realize when we first entered the lifestyle. So that's one way. If they want to follow our adventures or misadventures, they can check out our YouTube channel, also called Chase for Adventure. And lastly, if you are more the Instagram type of person, we do daily live Instagram stories. So if you're wondering, I wonder where Annette are doing right now. I wonder if the baby is letting them sleep. Uh, that would be a great place to check us out too, also at Chase for Adventure. I like it for sure. <laughs> and I really appreciate both of your time. Um, between having to use your, your phone for a YouTube hotspot, between speaking to me early in the morning, I would have never agreed to this at 8 a.m. I would have been like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know whether I'm going to be asleep or not. So I appreciate that as well. Uh, but it's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having us on, Jackson. It's been a blast. Absolutely. And that was my interview with the Chase for Adventure couple, Annette and Daniel Fortner. Really enjoy speaking with them. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can you can hear the passion behind uh, their travels, and and uh, it makes for a great YouTube channel. I've really enjoyed uh, watching their uh, misadventures and and learning a lot more about them. Wish them the absolute best of luck um, with their new little one. Um, it, it's getting close now at this point, um, so just just lots of luck there. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something about uh, how to make good YouTube videos, how to deal with the trolls, and and a lot of other areas. Um, obviously, we we got real for a minute when we talked about some of the struggles that uh, Annette had in in Vietnam. I wanted to to include, um, I guess, some of the the harsh nature, definitely the the dog part, um, just because you know that was her experience. Um, everyone does have different ones, but, uh, you know, I thought it was important to, to hear hers. Um, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Maybe, maybe not that part exactly, uh, but hope you learned something there, but, uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation. Really appreciate them speaking with me. Do check them out at chaseforadventure.com. Um, check out their YouTube channel, follow them on Instagram, do all of it. <laughs> but, uh, thanks so much for being here. Hope to see you next time. And Scott, take it away. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both.
But until then, keep being awesome.